Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert May. Is joining me today. It's my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. The uh, Peloton ad. Every time that that's come up, now it's just I just get a huge heaping of guilt of <laughs> not even because it's holiday season, and now since the birth of my son, I've I think I've worked out once since the birth of my son. So that's six weeks. I could tell you exactly how long it's been. Uh, so every time I hear that, and you're talking about you know you don't have to be in the we have a Peloton as well. Uh, yeah, I was getting into a good groove this summer and even in this fall, Birth of the Sun. And now I hear that every time. I'm like, man, I should get back on that Peloton tomorrow. And every day I wake up and I'm like, nope, not getting on the Peloton today. <laughs> so I want to so thank you for dripping that guilt into me because it's going to be a good New Year. I'm going to be a New Year resolution kind of guy. It's not guilt. I, you know, I'm just trying to give you a no, little I motivation. I, I have no excuses, so I use it pretty much every day. Everything every, I say I in, that, in that in that ad is 100% true. So, <laughs> and when I you travel, it. and when you travel, what's your, like your number one priority when you travel? <laughs> I go stay in hotels that have Peloton bikes in them. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> You're I, committed true, to it. This is a true story. I have snuck in to hotels that had Pelotons in them. That's awesome. I've so the fact that you once. stayed at a different hotel, researched what around you had a Peloton, that's that's strong right there. If that's not an advertisement, what it is, that should be the read. Breaking and going. entering. I've broken yeah. the law to ride my pel- to ride a Peloton bike. 
<laughs> I'm being eat just to just to get my uh, 20 minute ride with Jess King. <laughs> Got to get that that one class that you recommended, the one tweet that you had about the. Oh, it it's, like, the, uh, it's the it's the uh, oh my god, it's uh, what's his name? Oh, it's the Pitong classical ride. The Pitong classical is. ride is amazing. Oh my god, yeah, I set yeah, my PR every single time I do it. Every single time, set the PR because you just go 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 on that one. I'm gonna do the purple disco machine ride today because we're seeing purple disco machine and Chromio on New Year's Eve. Look and at that. I oh the, Chromio too. Ooh. Yeah, so he has a remix of. Uh, Rain on Me by Lady Gaga. That's been yeah. stuck in my head all day. So I've just been singing Rain on Me by Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande for the past six hours. So if that's I good. sound like my brain is just turned into pudding today, that's why. It's that's because better. that's what I've been doing this entire day. That's so better than me. Just, just a heads well, up for you guys. I have original 60s Bee Gees in my head. So that I'm not, <laughs> I don't know which, which one's better. That, what do you have or what I have in our heads going on right now? All right. Got a couple things today. Huge game of the week. Huge game. It's a Monday night game. We're going to be recapping Bills Bengals live on YouTube on Monday night. Just a heads up for you guys. Hey. We are not going to be doing the Cowboys against the Titans B squad tonight. <laughs> just, just, just so you guys know, we are not going to be recapping that, but we will have a Monday night football recap later this week. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to talk about Derek Carr a little bit later today. Just I wanted to talk about that news and, and some of the discourse around it yesterday. I, I just think yeah. there's some stuff to chew on there that I find particularly interesting that was literally keeping me up at last night. I saw Babylon yesterday, which was an experience all unto itself. And like even after that, movie? it's three hours long. It's like three hours and ten minutes long. I okay. still can't decide if I enjoyed it. It's like the joke with the Vikings. Like, is Babylon good? I, <laughs> there, I, I, st- go. I still don't know if Babylon is good. But I was literally laying in bed last night thinking about Derek Carr and, and that situation and who, where he could go and why and oh. whether it's a smart team gonna building get, thing. Nine We're o'clock get message all from that. you. Nine o'clock message from you on my time. And I was like, that's, that's late. That is right. <laughs> I did send you something at 11 p.m. about Derek Carr last night. That's what, that is very true. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about five games that have really big playoff implications. Just a simple way of looking at this. What's at stake playoff-wise in these five games? What is the key to victory for the team that need these wins? So we're going to do that. But before we get to that, let's start with, by far, the game of the week. One of the best games of the season. Yes. We have the 12-3 and Bills going to the 11-4 and Bengals. Man, this is a good one. The Bills clinched the one seed with a win and a Chiefs loss. Probably not going to happen. I'm assuming that that Week 18 game is going to mean something for Buffalo, which does matter because yeah. I think the Patriots have them in Week 18 or some other AFC East team that needs to win. So the Bills needing to win that last game of the season does have more playoff implications beyond the one seed for Buffalo. Bengals clinch the AFC North with a win and a Bengals or a Ravens loss or tie. So if the Ravens win, looking at a huge game in Week 18 yeah. between these two teams. Let's get into this, though. I, I think the most interesting part of this game is something that we've talked about before with Lou Anarumo mm. and the Bengals defense. He's such a great game plan coach. Yeah. I want to see what the Bengals' plan is for Josh Allen and the Bills' offense. They've played before, but this was in 2019 when right. Josh Allen was not Josh Allen yet. It was the and, idea of Josh Allen. <laughs> and the Bills' offense wasn't the Bills' offense yet. Nope. You know, If you look back at 2019, Pat DeMarco was getting a ton of snaps in 21 personnel looks for a Bills team that looked like old Patriots teams. Yes. You know, 2020 was when they really kind of underwent that spread it out shift that we've seen. And obviously they do a little bit of everything now. They have heavy personnel and they'll go mm-hmm. into some big packages to run the ball. But I am very, very curious what the Bengals plan is because we've said this before. I think that the Bengals defensive plan for some of these teams lets us know 
what they think of these teams and kind of right. where the maybe the weak points in these offenses are. Absolutely. And that's what even going and researching on this, it's like, okay, what are they going to lean into? So I kind of more looked at, okay, how did they, how did this Bengals defense play other elite quarterbacks? And that was, we got a nice little Patrick Mahomes game a few weeks ago. So actually it was pretty sweet. And I kind of, I kind of branched off from that initial thought, but it is, it's lose mystery box. Like that is, it's, it's so cool to see which one, what package he has for you, like to, to show. It's like, oh, that's a fun surprise. That's a pony. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, and I think you and I were, uh, discussing this a little bit is, you know, you might see some drop eight, which would yep. make sense. Um, and, and flooding passing lanes, you know, the bills still out, uh, they diversified their attack, which I'll get to in a sec, but they also have, you know, they still lean to quicker throws and quicker game and get the ball out quick. And, and then Josh Allen goes into creation mode after that. The other thing I, I think maybe that he leans into uh, this game is pressure is bringing blitzing, uh, bringing yeah. blitzes, especially the cover zero variety and especially on third down. That's what they did against Mahomes until Mahomes got him, uh, started in the second half. But in the first half, they were getting, uh, the Chiefs. And the thing is, Mahomes is fantastic against the blitz. Josh Allen hasn't been that great against the blitz this year. And that is, that's a variety of things. That is him. He can be a little scattershot as far as with his eyes, but also the porous O-line. You got nobody really winning outside of Diggs. And you also just, if you have, they're trying to, the Bills are trying to get like James Cook going. You got a rookie running back that's tasked with protecting. That's not really what the world you want to live in. Uh, not everyone could be James White as a rookie. So the, I think just this, uh, he's 19th against the Blitz by EPA uh, yeah. per dropback. That a third down is worse. It's probably even worse, yeah. And he's second best overall by EPA per dropback. But he, if you blitz Josh Allen, he goes from the second best quarterback by EPA to Kenny Pick. That's what happens as far as just statistically and results based. And you can see why. Uh, laid out the Poroso line, laid out that sometimes he's not looking the right way. And the other thing is, Diggs is their guy. But who else? No one has really been stepping up truly, I think, for this offense. And I think that's such an important thing to talk about. This Bengals defense is eighth in DVOA against number one receivers. Okay. They're sixth in DVOA against tight ends. They're second in DVOA against running backs. It's all in pass, uh, passing defense. They are 31st against number two receivers. Man. So those are always strange quirks. I wonder how those yeah. come about, whether it's just something that ha happens randomly or if it's something specific to the way that the defense is built. Right. And I, that's what I've been trying to figure out with this team. And I think it's just because they know they're really good at taking away your best thing and making you work for it. We've talked about years and years, Belichick using the one double defense to take away your number one guy. They do it through other scheme rather than just doubling one guy literally or bracketing a guy. They just do it by clouding a side. They do it by blitzing you and making you get the ball out quick. And I think that all matters and that all adds up. Uh, uh, I have some stats too about digs and how they use them, but that's kind of just what I want to lean into. I think that you're going to see some Bengals pressures um, th sprinkled throughout this game. I'm totally with you. And I think that it would be a fun mix potentially of pressure looks and then dropping the, eight from pressure yes. looks. And yep. I think that mixture makes a lot of sense because yep. the drop eight stuff I think works. I think is a good plan against this Bills team. They haven't seen yep. a ton of it. It's been 25 dropbacks so far this season. It's less Josh than I Allen. thought. I thought maybe it's you'd less see than more. I thought. <laughs> yeah. 10, of 21, 10 of 21, 10 of 21 on the season. He's taken two sacks in those 25 dropbacks. Okay. And I would make them That's run the ball. The yep. Bills running game has been better over the last six weeks. They've been yep. kind of middle of the road, just above average in both success rate and EPA per rush for, with running back runs, which they were down near the bottom of the league for the first half of the season. So that is an improvement. Yep. So you talking about digs and the other receiving options. I thought this was really interesting. 
just looking at overall numbers this season, the percentage of man coverage that quarterbacks face on third down specifically, number one in the league is Zach Wilson at 61%. (laughs) Teams were not treating Zach Wilson like a real NFL quarterback. 61% is insane. So so sorry, you say that real quick. When I was looking at the Bill stats for their defense, I know we're going to talk about this in the sack, their highest use of man coverage was against the Jets. And they it, did everyone it like does 60%. It. That is, we do not respect you. Yes. That, that's exactly what that is. You're not so you can almost there. throw him out. He's at yeah. 61%. Mahomes is second at 53.3%. That's the gap between Zach Wilson and the, every other real quarterback. Okay? Mahomes is number one. We know why Mahomes is number one. Yep. It's a pass-catching options consideration. Because it wasn't like this before Tyreek Hill was gone. So that's why teams are playing a lot of man coverage against the Chiefs. Like, we're going to dare you to get open and beat us, and we're going to make you make throws. He's been incredible against man coverage on third down, by the way. Yeah. It's a Kelsey thing, but whatever you do against him, he has an answer for it. Yep. Come find it. Do you know who's second? Okay. All right. So before we get to second, third is Lamar, is uh, fourth. So third in the league among like quarterbacks that aren't Zach Wilson is Lamar Jackson. Makes total sense. Again, pass-catching options consideration. Fourth, Aaron Rodgers. Again. Makes sense. Pass-catching options. A couple of rookie receivers are your lead receivers. Yeah. So those are are three of the top four. Josh Allen is second. Which is so interesting. It's counterintuitive because you'd think that teams would not want it. This is on third down man coverage rates. He's facing it at about 52.9% of his dropbacks, just behind Mahomes. That's kind of counterintuitive because you think, well, Diggs is – Diggs is Diggs, and would you want to play man against him because you're worried about him scrambling? But that's what teams have done against the Bills this year, and they've been successful. He's 20th in EPA per dropback against man coverage on third down this season, and that includes scrambles. He's been amazing against zone. And so that the numbers bear out the strategy with this. And my, my little theory is that He's bailing from the pocket pretty quickly when nothing is there because he yep. doesn't trust the protection right now. So our team's playing man to make sure that we're not going to give you any easy answers early and make yep. you go into chaos creation mode because even if it's the ceiling on that is high, there are still downsides to it and you're not playing in rhythm and we feel like we can kind of get you off your spot and get you off your game. And I do think that combination of, all right, we're going to show pressure and either drop eight or blitz and play man. That's a nice little combination when you consider the numbers and what this Bills offense has looked like for most of this season. Yeah, especially combining it with the blitz because he has to go one and done because it just doesn't have the time. Like You're not chalking up these guys to protecting. I thought it was interesting too is that man stuff, even with the digs, and digs is fantastic, one of the best receivers in the game, is those other guys not really stepping up. The Gabe Davises of the world, Isaiah McKenzie's, the Dawson Knoxes, they're all fine, but they haven't really – they bet on one of those guys like really being a n- true, true, true number two. Not number two in our offense, but number two for any team. Think about that Dawson Knox completion against the Dolphins. The big play that he hit. It's cover two. He's yeah. just running through his zone. Yeah. Allen's laying it out there. I think those are the types of plays we've seen them consistently yeah. make plays. Gabe Davis, uh, one of the drop eight plays that they saw this year is him going taking the top off. Against yep. the, uh, it was against the Steelers. Remember that long the, touchdown like he had against the Steelers? Yarder. Yeah, yeah. We see that when they can run through zones, yep. but when you're actually challenging those guys, I think that there have been, you, they've left you wanting a little bit. Yes. And I would that, be curious if the Bengals lean into that as a result. I, I think so. And like, even for Diggs, so, okay, what, what's our usually number one answer for how do we get a guy open or get this guy the ball? Move him to the slot, right? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get this guy in the slot. 
Diggs has taken about a third of his snaps in the slot this year. Uh, his first downs per route, and this I really like looking at this because it's like true, like not just targets and everything, but truly how are you moving the chains, getting uh, conducive plays for your off- offense. Okay, on the outside, when Diggs is on the outside, first downs per route, almost 15%, 14.9%. That's second best among every receiver who have taken more than half their snaps on the outside. Okay, behind Tyreek. So, all right, that makes sense. The The top list is awesome. It's Tyreek, Diggs, A.J. Brown, Waddle, and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, we're doing, are, we're doing all pro teams good. next week. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do receivers receiver gonna, for the first oh and second God. team. Remember last year blood, how easy it was? It was like chalk, 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 chalk. this year. Yeah, it's a blood I know. Bath. I love it. I love it. Because but obviously, what, like, yeah. Tyreek and Justin Jefferson are first-team all-pro. Like, I don't just yeah. giving it away. That's all I am. Who the third-team all-pro receiver is, who the second-team all-pro receivers are, it's going to be it's a nightmare. Fun. I know. It's awesome. Little preview. Right. We're doing that next week. It's my favorite show. And But then, actually, I have a lot of favorite shows. The quarterback draft's a lot of fun, too. The But then why I'm bringing this stat up. Digs in the slot, so about a third of his snaps, first downs per route, 8.4%. The, the average is 7.3%. He has about the same from the slot as Hollywood Brown, like as far as first down per route. So if you go him on the outside, best receiver in the game, or what top five receiver, however, however you shake it, goes in the middle, he becomes like an average receiver. And I think that's because why I'm bringing this up is not only because they're not finding the best ways for it, even if it is against man coverage or whatever, or blitzes or however, but also... Other guys have to play on the outside. If he's in the slot, McKenzie yeah. has to kick outside. You don't want McKenzie on the outside. You're becoming a redundant, not redundant, but just a double negative going on. But not double, yeah. not double negative becoming a positive. Double negative staying double negative. And I think that's I think that's important because if you're going to play man, then okay, what's what, what are you running? They love running like deep hinges and goes. Those are really hard to sustain over and over and over. And they're trying to find easier ways. And I think that's what Ken Dorsey has done a really good job of is trying to find other answers other than Josh Allen chaos mode. He's trying yeah. to just be like, what's sustainable? Like what's, other than just this crazy place, which is great that we can do it, but other ways that we can sustain. They run a ton of jumbo before the bye week. They were 4% jumbo after the bye week. They've been 13% jumbo, jumbo being a six offensive lineman. That's trying to help out their run game. Quarter of their snaps last week against the Bears was in jumbo. So the run game has improved. He changes up the personnel a little bit more than last year, the last couple of years. Having said that, saying that we're trying to find other ways than Josh Allen run the ball or Josh Allen chaos mode. The Bengals are the fourth worst defense against designed quarterback runs by success rate. They're between the Chargers and the Lions. You see what happened to the Lions last week against Sam Darnold? That is I remember what happened to the Lions against Justin Fields earlier this year. Yeah, so that's so they're the fourth worst defense against QB designed runs and the Bills very much have that in their back pocket. So I'm curious if they do th- sprinkle it in. I'm complimenting Dorsey for getting away from that so much and leaning on it. But this is, we're getting down to it. It's the end of December. We're getting into January. You can do it now. You can break that glass, dust it off and go, okay, let's start using this a little bit more. So I think you might see a couple of those in this game as well. Other side of the ball. First thing that jumps out to me, I- I'm curious what the Bengals are going to look like without Lyle Collins. It's such a bummer that, you lose your right tackle at this stage of things. And they had been healthy along the offensive line all year. So that's the first thing on my mind. But if you're trying to build a game plan, if you're Leslie Frazier here, what do you think the Bengals or the Bills plan looks like for this version of the Bengals offense that even after a weird second half last week, which we get into, has been really rolling throwing football recently? Right. And I, it's funny. I think both of these defense coordinators are both going to be watching Patrick Mahomes against from the other team. Yeah. <laughs> because I think the Bills defense, like when they, how they played Mahomes, uh, I think they just, they have some aspects of that that will carry over. That is drop eight 
and a good amount of cover too. I don't see the man coverage that they did against Mahomes just for the reasons you stated because it's a receiver issue uh, or a receiver thing um, because the Bengals have probably the best receiver room in the like in the it's last good. Lo- good. in a long time. Like let's not even just say right now for a while. This is a fantastic receiver room. So I do think that's where that's going to be the tweak for it. Um, I also think the other thing for this Bills defense is uh, uh, Joe Burrow has done a fantastic job, and we brought this up about just playing quarterback, and everything is timely. One, two, three, hitch, ball out. One, two, three, hitch, ball out. Uh, that nullifies any leakiness with that offensive line, even though they have improved. He's finding his checkdowns a lot, especially to the backs, and I think that's really opened up the game, especially now, too, with now all the receivers are healthy. But the thing is, the – Bill's linebackers are pretty damn good. Like they're that's a really good linebacker pairing with Milano and Edmonds. And I think that advantage gets nullified just a tad. Um, they're throws to running backs out of the backfield. Uh, the bills are top 10 in EPA. They're 14th in success rate, which I thought was interesting. I, I, my theory didn't really hold up as well as I was hoping to, but I do think that part of the game is that they'll have a, be a little better at it than maybe what the Patriots were last week, by the way, sorry, the whole reason I want to talk about this, you know, it was the best, at running back throws, like out of the backfield, like who's best defending them? Defending them? Yeah. No. Who? 49ers. Oh, yeah, that so, makes sense. <laughs> their success rate, their success rate's almost at 70% against the pass because Fred Warner just, you know, takes away your high throw and just comes down and tees off on your running back. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, the other thing is it's a very good red zone defense against a very good red zone offense in the Bengals. So, you know, they matriculate down the field and they they finish drives. And But we're going – that's really what it is. It's a nice little strength-for-strength strength battle, a defense that wants you to check it down all day against an offense that – and a quarterback that has been playing exceptional and is willing to do that. And also another personnel thing, Bengals play a ton of 11. Bills love being a nickel. So, yeah, it matches up well. Yeah. Which, which matches up well, too. I think it's just a strength-for-strength strength battle. So you're just trying to find little areas where you can find the advantage. And I, that's why it's going to be really fun. Joe Burrow is absolutely dealing right now. I know that they had some you know, skids in the second half against the Patriots. Yeah. Miscommunication on a pick six. You mean, you mean the best defense in the game? Or, no, I would say best what, A very good defense. But even that, defense. if you look at it, miscommunication on a pick six, failed QB sneak on fourth and one. They had a third and one conversion that was called back on a holding, and then they missed a field goal. I mean, they're... The offense was still moving the ball consistently. And the other interception and, uh, was in the red zone. <laughs> yeah, and the other interception was in the red zone again, and Tyler Boyd stopped his route yeah, on that, that play. Weird. And then the field goal that they missed, the third and one, on the play before, that's the play against cover zero where he hits Trent Irwin in the hands running down the middle of the field. That's the exact same way they scored a touchdown earlier in the game. How quickly he's operating right now is, is remarkable. And the yeah. ball placement, watching him play quarterback is awesome. I mean, he's very different than the guys I typically enjoy just because it's 98% decision-making and accuracy and just ball placement. And well, there's watching one guy a, he plays like that you like. It, he, it, there is like a Dak-esque element to his game, well, but he's like... Uh, Rivers. Oh, yeah, he's that's got, very true. He, that's he's like very an, true. He's like an athletic Rivers. That's how he's playing right That's now. very true. Yeah. That's, that's so exactly I, right. Especially I, I, that corner it, route. You were like... We I mean, are, I know the, you. the corner route he threw last week against cover two... <laughs> oh. the, Put the placement on that ball is absolutely yeah. insane. I've really come to love watching him play. And yeah. every single time you're going to give him a matchup advantage, he's, he's identifying it and taking it immediately. Yeah. The dunk that T. Higgins had in the first quarter of that game, 
those are balls that obviously the receivers make it a great play, but he's identifying those matchups consistently all the time. I, I tweeted out the stat today. So obviously early in the season, there was all that consternation about how he was playing against cover two, all the cover two that the Bengals were facing. Since week five, when they kind of underwent this shotgun only shift, Which and I think awesome. he underwent a change in mindset where he's like, you know yes. what? I'll play this way. If you make me play this way, I'll play this way. I'll be patient. Yep. I'll take what's there. I- I'm fine playing in your world because I'm still going to absolutely destroy you. He is first, or excuse me, second in completion percentage. He's completing 85% of his passes essentially against cover two. He is second in EPA per drop back since week five against cover two. And he's fifth in net adjusted yards per attempt against cover two since week five. And he's seen That's the it. most cover two snaps in the league. Yep. So he's still getting it more than anybody else. And he's absolutely shredding it. And watching a guy consistently solve these problems that are put in front of him, watching offenses consistently solve problems put in front of them are very, it's very, very fun to do. Yes. So, and that's, and that's where he is right now. That's what's so funny about these top tier guys, the, these top quarterbacks, they all solve it in different ways. Mahomes has his own way of solving it. Herbert, Allen, all these guys that, but same with Burrow. Burrow wants to win from the pocket and he's, that's it. It's just that he's taken away from the bounce around. He was bailing, not bailing so much. I, I shouldn't say bailing. He was extending plays a ton last year. And it was like, man, he's taking a lot of hits. Man, this is, is this sustainable? And that's what's so cool watching this is it's one and done reads, but it's not, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's like he goes one and then it's like, okay, if that's not there, I'm going to just take my check down, which is so much how Rivers used to play because yeah. he was, a, they're both machines. The Rivers thing is so great. I, you're so right. With all the check downs now, that's you're what it so is right. now. I know. And it's, that's how he's an athletic Rivers right now. And it's awesome. It's that cover two stuff and watching him just always be in control. He's like, okay, if we have a dig on this play or, you know, not really whole shots, they don't go that, but a bender or something. If that guy, if I like it, I'm ripping it. How his timing on those throws, the touchdown he had to oh my god, and it sucks because I keep wanting to call him Adam Cole, which is a wrestler. Trent, Trent, Ir- Trent Irwin. No, I know it's, it's Trent, Irwin, Trent yeah. Irwin, but he he looks like Adam Cole, a wrestler, so it's so I can't like not think that. But that throw is awesome because the the Patriots are disguising and then they rotate to cover two with Duggar running down the pipe. And he gets the ball out so quick that the uh the deep half safety, the Patriots, is takes like two steps again to the half. And he's turning, and he, you can see him going the like, ball's already "Oh, the there. ball! Yeah. The ball's yeah. in the air!" Like, "Oh God!" He's like, "I'm supposed to be like, let me get a little width. I can't even get it like that." But the fact that he wasn't even getting width and he already beat him is remarkable. But yeah, he's playing. He's playing exceptional football right now. And going against this Bills defense, it's a great matchup. Yeah. Jordan Poyer it has not been practicing, which I think is definitely something to keep an eye on because I want to see them at full strength against what this Bengals team looks like right now. Yeah. All right. Before we get to these five games of playoff implications, I wanted to talk about Derek Carr and the decision to bench him a little bit. So yesterday, the news comes out that the Raiders are going to bench Derek Carr. And I said something about how if they were to release him, which I don't know how this ends up playing out. We can dig into that a little bit. Quarterbacks that are as good as Derek Carr just don't typically hit free agency. And so many people responded with like, Derek Carr sucks. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> quarterbacks aren't great or they suck there there is a middle ground of quarterback play Derek yes. Carr has led mostly like top 12 passing offenses top 15 passing offenses for most of his career by DVOA mm-hmm. before this season the Ra- Raiders last year they had some really good moments last year mm-hmm. they had some really good moments in 2020 and this idea that this season because he had Devontae Adams because they had this great running game his play was disappointing they had a great running game because they had Devontae Adams. 
the running game wasn't setting up the passing game. It was vice versa. So I think that there's just a lot of murkiness about how good of a quarterback Derek Carr is. I think we can all reasonably conclude that Derek Carr is probably somewhere between like the 12th and 16th best quarterback in the NFL. Say that's fair. I I think that's still the range that he probably exists in. Okay. Totally fair. And so a lot of people responded with, yeah, they're not terrible or great, but when you have to pay them like they're terrible or great, then it kind of muddies the picture and colors why you'd want a quarterback like Derek Carr and what that does to your team building plan. I want to talk about this a little bit because I think in a vacuum, that is true, okay? If you can start with a rookie quarterback contract or lock yourself into a guy making $35, $40 million a year, I can understand wanting to go the rookie quarterback contract route. If you are the Indianapolis Colts, Mm -hmm. okay, and you currently have the fifth pick in this draft, I don't think you should go after Derek Carr on the trade market or in free agency. I think you should go get yourself a rookie quarterback contract and weaponize that rookie quarterback contract. But not every team is operating from the same starting point. If you are the New York Jets right now or the Washington football team right now, and you are going to be picking somewhere between probably 15 and 20, and you have an otherwise very good roster, and both of those teams can free up about $40 million in cap space pretty easily this offseason. I think where you're at in your team building process, a guy like Derek Carr makes a decent amount of sense for a lot of different reasons. And we can get into those reasons, but it was just strange to me that people would immediately dismiss this out of hand. And we, I want to hear your response first, but then we can kind of talk about some of the layers of this. No, I'm with you. I, I always get that that not every team is just on on the same level field uh, playing field. Yes, there's yeah. parity in the NFL and all that, but every team makeup is so so crazy. Like just talk about right there with the quarterbacks, the elite quarterbacks, and how they how they have answers to everything. Every player is different. Every scheme is different. Even if they come from the same family, they're cut from the same cloth. And why I'm saying that is not every team is built the same. A team like the Jets, one of the examples that you had which has a, a fun, young defense, you know, has some other guys that have to pay and everything, but also just a lot of young talent on that team. They can have a guy like this that's in that kind of average to above average tier. It's a true starting quarterback in the NFL. So that's 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 kind of where I'm at with it. So I everything about how close the Jets were to the playoffs this year. Yeah. With, with Zach Wilson and like three games of Mike White. Yeah, exactly. And it, it not every improvement. And I've learned this as being a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. <laughs> We've talked about this with the Bengals offensive line going in the going into free agency this year. Not every shit aspect of your team, and I'll say I'm just I'm sorry, but I'm gonna call Zach Wilson shit at quarterback, is doesn't have to go from shit to elite. An improvement can go from shit to average. Poor to average. Can that's that's tiers of improvement. And if you're this close to making the playoffs and being a feisty playoff team, like a real playoff team, not like, yeah. oh, we got lucky, this is a fun story. It's like a real legit defense with some tools on offense. You get competency at the quarterback position. The whole team that's that's worth that that money that you pay him. Those those are worth it. Like if he gets you two, three wins, that's worth I think $10 million a year per win, <laughs> you know, like if, get that's what, that's the difference between having poor offense or poor quarterback play to average quarterback play, or even that better than average times, sometimes good. Um, but I also think too, he's 31 years old. Also not like a 37 year old quarterback. 31 years talking. old. 31. Kirk Cousins, when he signed that big deal with uh, the Vikings was 30. Like yeah. this doesn't happen. And that also often. that's a, it's a perfect example. Okay. So 
I think that there is a difference between like the truly elite quarterback contracts and a quarterback for a guy like Derek Carr. Kirk Cousins just signed an extension that's for $30 million, $35 million. 35. Derek yep. Carr's is for $40 million. That's It's not really. No, that, think about money. the guarantees in this. They can literally yeah. cut him at the end of the season yeah. because of that. So, And if you look at the other quarterback contracts that are being signed, Rodgers is in the $50 million range now. When yep. Herbert and Burrow get those deals, they're going to be in like the $55 million range, I have yep. to assume. It's also guarantees. Kyler Murray's contract makes it so Kyler Murray is your quarterback for the next yes. five years. The, 30 mi- the $35 million you have to pay Derek Carr, let's hypothetically in this scenario, let's say a team trades for Derek Carr's contract, okay? Mm-hmm. You'd have to pay Derek Carr about $32 million against the cap in 2023. There's $7.5 million in dead money left on that deal after that. So let's say you convert some of that in 2023, get his cap number down to like 20-ish million, and yeah. then you have... $20 million of dead money left of Derek Carr over the next two years. That's more than palatable to me. Absolutely. Because it gives you an out. That's what's yes. important to me here. I don't the, – the argument that Derek Carr is not a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl, and that's why you shouldn't go after a quarterback like Derek Carr. It's not that cut and dry to me. It's not that no. binary. It's not that black and white. You want to compete with the Mahomes of the world, right? You need a Mahomes to do this. Guess what the Chiefs did? Before right. they went and got Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs traded for Alex Smith. Yes. And trading for Alex Smith in the early part of the Chiefs years allowed them to be a very good competitive offense and a competitive yep. team that was building to something. Yep. And then when they understood we have reached a certain ceiling with Alex Smith, they decided to make a trade up for Patrick Mahomes and change the course of their franchise. Yep. So if you're the if you're the Jets and you're the 15th pick and you're a competitive team, you just get a punt on the 2023 season? Right. Oh, we I can't think, get Mahomes. Sorry. Like, <laughs> I think that there is value in being competitive. I think there's yeah. being value in being as competitive as you can be. So if you, tr- if you go get Derek Carr, if you're the Jets, and you're a competitive team in 2023, and then even if you get to the 2024 draft and you think – and there's some scenario where a quarterback becomes available in that draft and you have to trade up for that quarterback – then hopefully you have enough financial flexibility to move on from Derek Carr for some sort of money. I don't think you should commit to Derek Carr for five years as a starter. If you can do this for one or two years and leave yourself some sort of off-ramp while understanding that eventually you may want to upgrade at the position, that type of quarterback is perfectly fine. It's what the Lions are doing with Jared Goff. No one's upset that uh, what the Lions look like right for the now. Same amount of money, right? Like, isn't that the yeah? Low it's thirty things? million dollars a year yeah, on the 30? cap for the yep. next two yep. years. It was thirty yep. million, and it's thirty million this year, and it's ten million dollars in dead okay. money. A little bit of inflation on that. That's that's kind so of what you're doing. <laughs> the Lions are in a unique position because they own the Rams pick. Okay, so they potentially have a path to a quarterback if they want to draft one this year. But I think this concern and worry about how you get a quarterback if you land somewhere in the middle is kind of overstated. Yeah. Because let's say you're the Jets and you win 11 games next year and you make the playoffs and you lose to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. And you think, ah, oh, you know, we're picking 24th and how are we going to get that guy to upgrade over Derek Carr and eventually get us over the hump? Let's look at the success stories for young quarterbacks over the last like five seasons. Okay. Yeah. I would say the, the best examples of quarterback success, young quarterback success over that time is Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. I would say those are the six guys. Okay. Think about where those guys were drafted and think about how Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were the paradigm of quarterback success in the NFL were drafted by teams that made the playoffs the year before. Correct. 
Lamar Jackson was the last pick in the first round. Jalen Hurts is a second round pick. Justin Herbert was a top 10 pick, but he was the third quarterback drafted in his own class. Joe Burrow was the number one pick. Okay. Trevor Lawrence was the number one pick. Those guys are always going to be there. Those transcendent type quarterbacks. That is one path, but it's not the only path. Right. So I think that being competitive in the meantime and building towards something and finding a quarterback that can be that middle ground quarterback for you, it's okay to give him $30 million a year as long as you have some modicum of flexibility built into that. So if I can get Derek Carr for $25 million on the cap in 2023 and have a palatable dead money number after that, whether it's $20 million, $15 million, no. because if you go get that young quarterback, you're resetting your financial clock. If you have $15 million of dead money for Derek Carr and you're paying your quarterback $5 million for one year, that's yeah. totally fine to pay it's that fine. position as you build the rest of the team. Correct. So yes. I just think those guys have more value than we're, we're giving them credit for. And if you're doing it from too. day one, if you're the Texans with the number one pick, take a rookie quarterback. Right. But if you're Washington and you're the Jets and you're you have no some land. money, but you don't yeah. have a path to do it right now, but even yeah. if you're the Jets right now and there is a path to trading up for a guy this year... Getting a guy like Derek Carr for one year means you don't have to. Right. Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench for a year. Yes. I just think that for a creative team that is in a certain position right now, that sort of quarterback still has a lot of value. And if he somehow gets released because of how weird that situation is, I just think it's a rare opportunity for a team that has backed themselves into a corner. If you're a team backed into a quarterback corner, I, I legitimately think this is a decent solution for you. Yeah, the viable starting quarterback. That, that's the thing. It's not everything has to be one and zero. He's a viable quarterback. And I think what you're talking about, uh, the, the off-ramp, be able to off-ramp at any time, that's the important thing about team building is not just one plan. And I think that's where people get caught up in it. You know, you never draft this position. You never sign this type of guy. Oh, you only sign these guys, only cheap contracts and everything. It's just always the ability to pivot. That's what resources gives you the opportunity to do. Like that draft picks and everything. It's like, yes, you got chances at the table or, or bets to make in the draft, but also ability to use those picks to do other things, to identify guys you do like and everything like that. So I think that's all it is. That's what the team building is. And like, I mean, what we've seen a kind of, uh, maybe not the exact contract, but you know, Jimmy G and the 49ers, which is a, such a similar par- parallel when they made their Super Bowl run against the Chiefs. Like that is, that's like a parallel to what can happen here. It's so manageable. There's so many different ways to build a team. It's just that we always talk about the elite quarterbacks because they mask what's going on elsewhere with the team. They make an offensive line better. They make the receivers better. They make shitty coaching better. But the thing is, if you have other viable answers as far as personnel, teammates, coaches, all that type of stuff, then you can take a drop off in the quarterback play. It's just, that's the math. The variables are all going to be different for every team. So I think that's where the answer gets to. It's that let's go from poor to average. And I think that has a ton of value for a team. Yeah. I just, I don't think he's the answer for every team, but I think he's a real answer for some teams. We live in a world where teams traded multiple picks for $25 million of Carson Wentz. Right. Multiple picks. Yes. And Carson Wentz had the off-ramp, right? Like the Washington's in a position where they could move on from him after one year. And I don't think I thought about that or talked about that enough in the moment. Even though it's silly that they're paying Carson Wentz $25 million this year, they can move on if they wanted to. And now they're in a position to move on. So if you can build yourself some flexibility, if Derek Carr does hit free agency in this hypothetical, and it's three years, $100 million, so $33 million a year Mm -hmm. with $50 million guaranteed. And a lot of that's in the first year. And then in years two and three, it's 20-ish million dollars in dead money. You can live with that. 
You can mm-hmm. live with that in this current part of the cap, in this current financial world. In 2015 and 2016, Alex Smith made 11% of the salary cap for the Chiefs yeah. on that contract. Yeah. 11% of the salary cap next year is $25 million. That's right in there, right? You, that is not a terrible team building plan no. because I think being competitive and building something, is, there's value in that. <laughs> like, yes, there is there just is. value in that. And, yes. and that's that's the final kind of period I'll put on the end of the sentence. But I just I was literally sitting up thinking about it last night. I'm like, am I going no. crazy? No. Like it it just there's so many of these moves that we've seen recently that are born of desperation. Like Derek Carr is a better solution than a lot of those moves, and I think that he would be a reasonable solution for one of these teams. All right, that's right. the end of my totally soapbox agree. rant about Derek Carr. Loved it, loved it. All right. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad we built to that. That was good. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get to these games with some massive playoff implications. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. All right, let's get going here with the Panthers at the Bucks. This game is like for the NFC South. It's just as we all predicted. Huge, huge game. All right. The Bucks clinched the NFC South with a win. The Panthers would clinch the NFC South by winning out. Pretty much no path to a wild card for either one of these teams. So for all of these games, we're just going to do kind of one key to victory for a team that really needs it for the playoffs. Some are going to be two teams. Some is just going to be one team that needs that win for their playoff hopes. So let's start with the Panthers. The key to the Panthers beating the Bucks this week is what to you? Find the ways to run the ball against this very good uh, Bucks run defense. But I, I think it's really the same game plan they had last week against the Lions. I think That'd there's a my lot answer. of carryover, yeah, from what they did last week. Actually, you know, I'll say this: the Bucks defense, their third success rate, like EPA and DVOA, a little, they're more middle of the packish. They're like twelve because they can, they give up some big plays. 
Exactly. I, I, I think that's what it is. One who hits some big plays in the run sometimes. One who hit some big plays in the run game last week. Well, that that's when he blitz that much. That's what happens. One that's guy exactly misses right. a gap. Boom, down the pipe. I also think really enjoyable watching that Panthers run game because they're just they had their way. They're I mean like all their explosive plays are like different run concepts, which is always fun. Um, they're they're doing a great job running out twelve personnel. And Ian Thomas and Tommy Trimble can block their asses off tight ends for, to, Ian for the Ian Thomas is awesome in that game, awesome. man. Just awesome. locking down the backside of runs by himself. Every single time. I mean, like strong too, like yes. moving guys and everything. Iggy Aquanu is playing much better. He's true. From first four weeks, I was like, oh, shoot, this guy. He's, Rookie he tackles, like, man. I mean, you never, you never, you never it's know. It's so hard. It's such a hard position. So right now, though, he looks he looks so much better. It's, he looks, I mean, he moves different, which which we which we knew. But I thought, okay, they use a lot of twelve personnel. Oh no, you don't want to get the Bucks in their base defense. Like you know, oh man, that's you know that's tough. Like you don't want you don't want that. But having said that, they uh, they are are not as great of base defense running uh, stopping the run as I thought they would be because of the blitz stuff. I mean, one guy misses the gap and everything like that. So there really wasn't. I thought the Bucks defense would maybe take away this, uh, but I think that's the key to the Panthers offense is keep running that ball and keep uh, doing the play action stuff with Sam Darnold. The Panthers offense over the last few weeks has been really efficient throwing the ball as well in yeah. a way that is kind of shocking, and I'm kind of worried about you. With Sam Darnold playing this well, and whether or not you're going to be able to talk yourself back into Sam Darnold after this stretch here, <sighs> I I watched it and it's just it's so it's very Sam Darnold. There's the flash throws and the running the ball, the zone read stuff. I'm like, oh man, look at this guy go. Just the just strength. Like look at this guy. Look at the flash plays of him are are that's what I, I get suckered into it. But having said that, he's still Sam. He's playing better, but the, the, the bad Sam is still in there. It's still in there somewhere, so I'm not totally bought in, but I, I haven't sold all my shares yet. <laughs> I'm impressed at the guardrails they've put in place with the offense. The offensive line being this good is the biggest differentiator between last year's Panthers and this year's Panthers on offense and what Sam Darnold has played with for most of his career. His protection right. in, with the Jets was consistently awful. So I think that's one of the reasons we've seen arguably the best version of Sam Darnold we've ever seen over the last month is that the play up front is consistently better. And it's one of the reasons that I'm optimistic about what the Panthers could look like next year, because right. I think the only free agent on that line, the only guy who's not in our contract for next year is Bradley Bozeman. And yeah. if they wanted to bring him back, they could bring back all five guys. And it's a group that's playing very well. Very well. So that the play up front and the ability to run the ball is obviously huge. What percentage of Sam Darnold's early down dropbacks right now, do you think are play action? It's 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 high. It's over. It's it's, it's over fifty percent. I know that it is seventy two percent. Is the highest number in the league by a lot. They are put that the bumpers are up right now for that <laughs> oh, offense. Man. I think he's playing well. I think he's, he's getting well. checkdowns. I, yep. I think that the process of his play plus the splash plays has that been helps. impressive to me. But I do think that they have done a great job of kind of putting him in a box that works for them and utilizing real playmakers on the outside and an offensive line that's playing very well. So I think the version of their offense that we've seen recently is enough for them to beat this Bucks team. Yes. So if I'm flipping the script a little bit, the way that the Bucks could win this game is you have those one or two disaster Sam Darnold plays that we have not seen yeah. since he became the starter this season. Looking at PFF, during Sam Darnold's starts this year, he has one turnover-worthy play. One. Which is... I think in part 
because of the guardrails that have been put up within this offense right. and the fact that there has not been a lot of pressure because the line is playing so well. The Bucks are going to do everything they can to change that story. When they played last year, when they played against the Panthers, they blitzed Sam Darnold on 47% so of his dropbacks last so year. 47%. Funny. When they played the Panthers this year, they played man on 70 77% of their blitzes while blitzing 40% of the time. They are going to try to get after this team and force them into one or two mistakes. And I yeah. think if the Panthers can avoid those one or two mistakes, they absolutely can win this game. Absolutely. As long as they stay stay on schedule. And that's that's what the Bucks have to make them do, which is kind of ironic because they're such an aggressive defense, is that they have to make the Panthers earn it. They have to make yeah. them nickel and dime. Uh, they, they're thriving off explosive plays, especially in the run game and you know some 50-50 balls. Also, the other thing the, is playing against uh, some zone coverage. I think against Arnold, you want to play zone against him and force him to sit in the pocket and make plays. The worst game he's had since he's been healthy, you know, this past month was against the Seahawks, I believe, and they ran like two percent man coverage. Yeah, they just went zone, zone the whole game. Um, also the other thing is Darnold's legs are a weapon. Like last year, the joke was the best red zone weapon in the league is Sam Darnold's legs. He had like five touchdowns through four weeks. That's right. (laughs) So, but the Bucks are seventh in success rate against QB designed runs. They play them very well. They are the best defense in the entire NFL by success rate against play action. So you're taking away two of the, the easy buttons this Panthers offense has. And it's like, okay, let's see if you play real football. I think that's not just running the ball, but also just passing the ball too, or, or real quarterback play. Um, I think also why they're, he's doing pretty well against blitzes. He had a great touchdown throw or long throw to DJ Moore against cover zero. That's because the offensive line is giving him that space. And like you said, I do want to compliment Sam Darnold, the fact that he is finding that first throw really, really well right now and is playing within himself. Just once in a while, you just see the the ones where he's throwing late over the middle as he's scrambling towards the sideline. And you're like, and oh, if you God, can avoid so that, yep. if you can avoid he's that, okay. that, that is the biggest thing. And he that can make a badass throw about twice a game. He makes some like S tier one percenter throws. And it's just that you just don't want all the 20 bad plays that he might put you into. I cannot wait when we get to the offseason and Sam Darnold is a free agent and we're looking at the quarterback carousel seats that need to be filled and you talk yourself into one of these teams taking a flyer on Sam Darnold. I cannot wait. It is going to be my favorite part of March when we get to those shows. I kind of right. want him to just keep keep burning. Like I, I It'd want be him great. It would be I, awesome. We It'd said it on Saturday. Great. We said it when we recapped the Saturday show. This Panthers team making the playoffs is more fun and interesting to me than this Bucks team making the playoffs. Thousand percent. I'm there. And I... What? I, I not apologizing for it. Panthers have so many cool players. So yes. many cool players. Brian Burns, DJ Moore. Like these guys, uh, these guys are really, really fun. Like, like Frankie Louvu's playing well. Yeah. Like they, they just have <laughs> right. so many guys where it's like, man, that guy's pretty good. Derek Brown's improved like tremendously this year. Yeah. No, they have a lot of fun players and they're young. And yeah, I agree. It's so much more kind of interesting than the Bucks are right now. All right. Next one here. Vikings at the Packers. Vikings still have a small chance to win the one seed, but they obviously are in a dog fight for the number two seed with the Niners. And that will continue here through the rest of the year. Panthers have a 28.3% chance to make the playoffs. According to our Austin mock, if they win, it goes to 55%. They are favored by three and a half points in this game. Right? <laughs> so their, their cleanest path to the playoffs here is if they win out. So that's a win against Minnesota here. And I believe they're playing Detroit in week 18. They went out and Washington loses one of their next two games. Packers are in. 
So this that is not crazy. So that those are the stakes and those are the paths. You're building the key to victory here for the Packers. What does that look like to you? I I'm just going to preface this is that my key to victory for both teams is like literally the same, which is kind of I know <laughs> it is yeah. it's so silly, but that's where we are now with this team. Oh, both both, both of these teams. So but for the Packers, anyways, uh, for them winning, limit the explosive plays to Justin Jefferson. That is, uh, they give up explosives, but. It, they have to limit that. They're actually seventh best. They don't give up explosives. I'm sorry. They give up explosives in the run game. They're the seventh best team uh, in the amount of explosive passes they allow. And they've come. Last a week long... was an aberration. The last week yeah. is not normal for them. Well, that's an explosive pass. They were giving dolphins up. Dolphins are going to get the team them. you're playing against. Absolutely. <laughs> dolphins but guess what? Gonna... The dolphins are an outlier. Number eighteen in purple was also an outlier. And the last time these two teams played, it was a dice fest down the field. So I think that for defense, they have they they just have to make the Vikings earn it. Like as far as especially in the run game, um, I think that is God. It was. I'm going to get to it once we talk about the Vikings, but uh, put a pin in that. So, but offensively, I think the the Vikings they have to, or I'm sorry, the Packers have to lull the Vikings to sleep. They're going to throw lots of the flats. The Vikings will give you stuff to the flats, out a lot of routes to the checkdowns. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of like, you know, they like to do the kind of fake jet sweep to Christian Watson, and he's the checkdown option to the uh, like on like a little bubble. I think you'll see that a couple times because that can really get after this Vikings defense. The Vikings defense, there's been a discourse about why don't they play man coverage? Why don't they change it up? They can't. They do not have the yeah. horses to live in that world. They play a defense that is, let's not get our corners or, or any of our back-end guys in bad position. So they play, they let you have stuff underneath to the flats. They play top-down, and they make you matriculate. And so I think why the they do that is, is they get gashed. There right. are so many games where they've just gotten sliced and diced it's as a result of that. Daniel Jones was lighting them up last week. All, those, for all those play actions and everything. And then you have to hit the play action shots because that – Vikings have given up the fourth most explosive passes against play action this year. Like, That's what I mean. Is, this, there's this idea that we want to make you matriculate the ball down the field and they're giving and then up they a give ton them up of down explosives. The field. I know. And I, that's what the, this, this, when I was putting my notes together for this, this is, was so hard because I'm going to be saying the same things about both teams, like how, like going against each other. It's kind of funny where this at, but I think that's what you have to do. You have to be patient and then, then you can get your gashes. But I don't, I think last game, remember they went to Christian Watson. He dropped the first play or whatever the, the bomb to him. I think they try to get to that too early. So I think it's just get them up, creep them up, creep them up, and then get to it. I think it's a second half explosive game. That's how I would game plan this Vikings team. I do think that Watson's just ability to be an offense unto himself uh, for stretches over the second half of the season has mattered for this team. Like it is given he's in motion. If I were a defense, anytime he's in motion, my alarm bells would just be going crazy because it's like they're doing that for a reason, especially with him. Over the since. No, sorry, not not even like a qualifier on it. Over the course of the season, he is fourth in EPA per target in the NFL. Fourth, okay? Guys ahead of him, it's a fascinating list, by the way. Dallas Goddard is number one. Yeah. Jalen Waddle is number two. Okay. Darius Slayton is number three. Sure. Okay. Sure. Watson is four. Here's okay. some of the other guys in the top 10. Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. Devontae Smith. Okay. T. Higgins. Jahan Dotson. It's all number two receivers. It's all number twos. Which yeah. I don't think is an accident. A guy who is was up there for a good chunk of the season that might shock you that is now a little bit lower. You know who led this? Two guys who ranked in the top five for a good chunk of this season in this specific stat. Olamide Zacchaeus. Mm, yes. And Matt, and Mac Collins. Number two, number two. 
So I, the list is just fascinating. It doesn't say is, a lot about this game. I like but, that. So you have a lot of number twos from teams that have true number ones, which is why it's yeah. really important to which have matters. those secondary receiving options. Yes. But then the other guys that are just like, fuck you, try to stop me in this list. Stephon Diggs is 11th, Travis Kelsey's 13th, Justin Jefferson's 14th, Terry McLaurin's yeah. 15th. So yeah. there's eventually those guys are going to get theirs, even if all the attention is going their way. So right, especially when you get targeted 150 times, like yeah, the the numbers could be hard to keep keep up That's there. That's exactly too, right. Well. When volume yeah. goes up, efficiency it's, will go down. So I mean, those are always going to be linked together for the most part. Yeah. Yes. So I I think that that if can they find expl- can Green Bay find explosives after kind of dinking and dunking and chipping away early in the game, I think is a really good point. And can they limit Jefferson? Like yep. that, that, that to me is the biggest the thing. And I understand it's easier said than done, but I think that's yeah. where it starts and ends with playing against this Vikings team right now. Yeah. couple considerations injury wise, Cam Dancer has missed the last two games. I think he's back to full practice. Okay. Garrett Bradbury is still not practicing. And that's that has shown up for them on the interior, especially yes. last week when they were playing against Dexter Lawrence. Obviously, Kenny Clark is a good player. I mean, the, the Packers have some guys in that area of the field. Bakhtiari limited in practice, but the good news is Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Yash Nyman, Elton Jenkins, all limited, all looking like they will play. Okay. Coming out of that game against Miami, I think that was my nice. biggest question about Green yeah. Bay over the course of the rest of the season is, is the offense going to be healthy? Are, are those guys going to be on the field? Because that is the biggest thing in my opinion, for their ability to really make a run at this thing. And it does sound like those guys are going to play. I know that Aaron Jones has been banged up, but just having them as an option is going to be huge. Right. It's Jones, especially because it might be a pony game <laughs> because just to get the, how get the defensive match and everything, or just even get the run game, because I think the run game is going to be so important along with the nickel and diming, the passing game, running the ball. God, I just sound like such an old coach. Cause guess what? Guess what I'm going to talk about for the next segment too. It's the same exact stuff, but it's making them come up, making them, Get tired of these six-yard gains, seven-yard gains. But that's the thing. The Packers are fine doing this. So yeah. that's why I, I – actually a solid matchup for them in that sense is that they're willing to do this. But I think Rodgers can't have the performative deep ball early where he's like, oh, I'm going to get him right away so I can do the title belt stuff. It's like, no. I think he has to play within himself early and then attack down the field later. Nate, what do you want to say about the Vikings and their chances to win this one? Get the Vi- Jefferson loose somehow, obviously, but we got a great stoppable force versus movable object type matchup going on. The Vikings love their 11 personnel. The Packers love the match with nickel and five DBs. <laughs> Vikings rush success rate of 11 personnel, 27th in the NFL, just above the Colts. So if you're in the same category as the Colts, uh, you, you do not want to be in that tier. The Packers nickel rush success rate, 30th. In the NFL, they are the the sec- or third worst Man. defense defending the run out of nickel. They're much better out of base, especially against the pass. So I think the Vikings maybe they uh, they want to do it. They love running the ball at eleven personnel. So I don't think I really have to like force it. This is not an issue we have to force <laughs> here. So I think they're going to do it anyways. But I, they have to figure out finally make this work because they're going to try and do it every week, weekend, week out. So they still have to try and figure out how to do it. But that's that was my one little key matchup is finding a way to run out of eleven personnel. All right, we're going to take one more quick break here and then get to three more games that we got. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, let's get to Dolphins-Patriots here. Dolphins come into this game, according to our Austin Mock, with a 67.6% chance to make the playoffs. They would clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Jets loss or tie. They would clinch a playoff... Uh, that's, too, that's too complicated. Their playoff <laughs> odds increase to an 85% chance with a win. They would fall to 48% chance with a loss. Okay, Patriots come into this game with about a 10% chance to make the playoffs, according to Austin. If they win, it goes to 30%. So it's a pretty okay. big swing. Dolphins yeah. go from a two-third chance to less than 50% with a loss. The Patriots go from a negligible chance to about a 33, third, one-third of a chance a to get chance, there yeah. if they win. A real fighting chance. They are eliminated play- from playoff contention New England is with a loss. What is the key to the New England Patriots winning this game and keeping themselves alive in the postseason? Uh, keep Mac Jones upright. Uh, I think the first time they played, the Dolphins realized, oh, you guys can't pass protect. And they just they heated them up all game. That that was the the tweet I had where Mac Jones got sawed in half like a magician's assistant. That's right. And, That's right. Oh my God. It was one of the worst hits I've seen on a quarterback this year. And he bounced he's tough. He's a tough dude. Um I think their defense, um, getting to be uh getting to be in base advantage is a pers- uh, is an advantage against this Dolphins run game. Um they are very good defending the run when they're in base. They're fine being in base. And the Dolphins like being in 21 personnel. That's right. Um, I think they uh, – I, I was going to say my first note before I had this, and I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Teddy's starting. <laughs> is I think actually the Patriots had great answers to make life tough on Tua, having guys drop from the line of scrimmage and everything. But it's Teddy. So it's a little bit different. Teddy can really operate this offense. But I think really it's more focused – I think their defense can keep them in this game because their defense is good. They have enough speed – no one has enough speed to cover Tyreek and Jalen Waddle enough to like make it hard at least because they'll run cover two, they'll do some stuff, they'll bring pressures. Um, but I also just think that they have to make this offense look like it's something past two thousand four. Uh, I would like, <laughs> I like this offense to be updated to this past decade, and I think they'll have some success because I think they can get after this Dolphins defense, and because uh, they're going to be willing to run the ball, they're going to be willing to do that stuff. Um, they have to protect and keep Mac Jones upright, and I think they'll have a chance. I think that it's about keeping pace with the team that's playing its backup quarterback, which we haven't really talked about at all this week. The Tua concussion news happened after we did our recap shows. Yeah. I think it even happened after uh, – might have happened before Ben and I had did our show yesterday. But I still think that the outlook here is something we really haven't dug into a ton. I mean, I, I think that the offense can still be pretty good with Teddy Bridgewater. But if Tua's out for any stretch of time, it, it still just feels like we're looking at a different sort of – beast for Miami's offense going into the playoffs, even if they make it. Yeah. It, Teddy can run any offense. Like he, he's a very smart cerebral quarterback. He operates on time. He can do play action stuff. He just doesn't have that quick trigger like Tua. Yeah. Like, so it's, that yeah. RPO game kind of gets, no, he can do it, but not to, to, to a, it, it became kind of almost derogatory where people were like, Tua is the best RPO quarterback. Like, no, but I mean it though. Like, cause he can get rid of the ball so quick. Teddy doesn't have that kind of arm action. And quickness to his throwing motion, that twitchiness, I should say. Um, but I really do think Teddy, there is a baseline where Teddy can 
he's very competent. He's a very, very competent quarterback. So I think they can keep some parts of this going. And I think that's the key to me for Miami is if they can still find explosives in the passing game with Teddy Bridgewater yep. at quarterback, then they can still really hurt teams and, and yep. both this week and moving forward if Teddy has to play for any stretch of time. I think that's the and, biggest question. And and I've kind of hinted at this in the last few weeks because we've dug into what, what's happening with the Dolphins offense and how defenses are playing against them. I'm more impressed by Mike McDaniel the last few weeks than I maybe even was in the first month. That It's a little bit of a I'm talking on my ass a little bit there, but it's, I really do think is because he has tweaked what defenses have done to them and modified this offense just a little bit. The instances I bring up is not running as many RPOs and just doing straight runs and straight play action. And I think it's been working. Even if the victories haven't followed, I do think they're finding different answers, even if it is a little bit ugly right now. I think that helps with Teddy because Teddy is more of a traditional type of quarterback. So I think Teddy doesn't scramble. So you're not like, and Tua doesn't scramble. So you're not kind of losing that element at all. So, but I think that that modified offense of being more play action and more run dependent actually will help with Teddy now being at quarterback there. I mean, you look at these games. I mean, it's not like we've seen a lot of Teddy starting and finishing games. That's been no. part of the problem is that it hasn't just been Teddy when Tua has been out. We've had those Skylar Thompson Skylar stretches. Thompson games. So, I'm curious what the offense looks like. I, I, I think too. that they'll still be able to find some explosiveness, even with Teddy at quarterback. And you look at last week, like what did them in was mistakes. It yep. wasn't anything wrong structurally with the offense. Like they nope. were able to find answers consistently. It was just turning the ball over that ultimately doomed them. They, so if they can they, avoid that, I, I think that they absolutely can still be pretty darn good with Teddy. At quarterback. They were moving the ball on the bills. Yes. Running, yes. pounding the rock. Like they, they've been fine. Like the chargers game. Yes. It's in everybody's head. The second half, they were finding answers. And since then they have found answers. It's just that they haven't won the games. So we all think, but the process I think has been very good for what the dolphins offense is trying to do. Thing to watch here. They might be playing against a very banged up secondary in new England. Jack Jones has missed the last two games. He's not practicing. Jalen Mills still not practicing after missing the last four games. Marcus Jones also missing practice yeah, with a concussion. So, I mean, you could be looking at an, a trio of backup corners in the game for the Patriots against even Teddy Bridgewater. That could be yeah. a problem for New England. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I do too. And I think, and even when uh, uh, Skyler Thompson and, and Teddy have been playing, like the drop off for Tyreek and Waddle hasn't been that much. So they're going to find ways to get their ball in hands and going against bat. That's a great point about the batter DBs because that really, really does matter when you're going against these guys. All right. Next one here. Jets at the Seahawks. Jets are one and a half point favorites. They come into this game with an 18.9% chance to make the playoffs, according to Austin. With a win, it goes to 36%. They would be eliminated from the playoffs with a loss against Seattle. Seahawks right now are a 22.7% chance, according to Austin's numbers. That would go to 43% wow. with a win. So both of these teams could do themselves a huge, huge favor. Like This is a massive game for the, for the AFC and NFC playoffs because – if one of these teams, like if the Seahawks lose, then it opens up a whole lot of mm -hmm. doors in the NFC. Like this is an unbelievably important game. All right, let's start with the Jets. Yeah. Key to victory for the New York Jets in this game, in your mind. Mike White, uh, Mike White playing confident. God, I mean, really, that's it. I mean, the defense is the defense. I think they're going to give, you know, they're good. Like it's a good defense that they haven't, that hasn't changed at all. Um, so they just play their, their part of the game. It's quarterback play, just getting average quarterback play. Mike White can do it. Um, the Seahawks, 
pass rush isn't like where where Mike White was taking those freaking blows against the uh, the the Bills. Yeah. Like I don't think he's gonna get be taking those types of hits against his pass rush. So I think that he's gonna just if he can play that competent level that I think we can we have seen stretches of. Then the Jets are in this game because I think their defense is keeps them in every game really. Look at what the, even the Chiefs' pass rush was able to do against the Seahawks last week. Abe Lucas banged up, not practicing right mm-hmm. now. The interior, they I think they were rotating their guards last week to yeah. try, try to find an answer. That uncertainty up front against this Jets team yes. is not a good situation. Right. So the Jets' defense, I think, is still playing at a pretty damn good clip yep. to despite what's happened on offense. And I think the Seahawks offense has absolutely kind of been on a decline here over the last five, six weeks. You know, you have a good defense when uh, an opposing coach and quarterback are playing out of their minds and they're still, or you're only giving up a couple, like one touchdown in the game exactly like against, right. the Jag- against the Jaguars. Exactly Doug right. Peterson and Trevor were playing incredible and coaching incredible and game planning incredible. And they still made it tough on them. That's how, you know, you have a good defense, especially when you know your offense isn't getting any points. So this Jets defense is legit, legit. And that's a great point against that Seahawks line. That's been banged up. And I just think that the Jets playing the way that we've seen them play for stretches with Mike white, that's as simple as it is. Like if we get, if we get some moderate offensive production from Mike white in the way that we have before, and the Jets defense continues to play the way that we know that it can, I think they can win this game. So, I think it's more a question of what the path to victory is for the Seahawks in your mind. Oh man, defense has been playing better. They they had a they had a, they actually gave the Chiefs some issues. Actually, Chiefs still like played well, but they still gave them some issues. Um, they're still playing cover three in a good deal of quarters, uh, so they lean into what. But they've just this defense. Sorry, I know the answer is just how they're going to win this game. But having said that, they're they've been trying to find their way on defense, like what what they lean into, what fronts they use, like. Throughout this whole year, that's why it's like we haven't really talked much about the Seahawks, especially their defense, I should say. And not, there's not really something you just get key in on them. It's like going like this is what they do because they've been changing up what they do. But the last couple of weeks they've been playing better. I think though is Gino's got Gino's got to carry this team. Uh, I mean, Gino's got to play to the highs that we've seen this year because everything else has kind of fall, fallen around them. Injuries cropped up the running backs. That receiver now, that Lockett, offensive line. Losing Lockett's so huge. I mean, that, huge. that's just so important. Yeah, again, the theme of this episode is number two receivers because <laughs> like, yeah. that that's another one. And Lockett's a very, very, very good receiver. Um, so I think that's what it is. is Gino's got to play really well. And the defense has just got to – I think this game, you have to make it a race to 17. Like, I think that's what uh, – I think for both teams, that's kind of the goal. It's the race to 17. Who can get to three scores first? And I think that's how the Seahawks have to play this game. Hey, it might be a slog. We're banged up on offense. Our defense has been playing better and finding its way. Let's just make it a slog and try and pull it out the win. Marquise Goodwin also banged up. So God, now we're, yeah. like, really digging in. We were looking yeah. at – Laquan Treadwell's on this team, right? Isn't that what I'm going with? Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> so I was like, now, now, now we're getting, I knew we got Treadwell. some targets last week, but I was wanted to make sure that's one of those names. It's like, I think I saw Laquan Treadwell you, catch passes. You mean the last Jackson, week for this team. Jacksonville Jaguars 2021 number one receiver, Laquan Treadwell? <laughs> All right. Last one here Browns at Washington. Washington's two point favorites. They come into this game with about a 29% chance to make the playoffs, according to Austin, with a win. There's a lot of losses that they need. Increase yeah. their odds increase to 49% with a win. So we go from about 30% to about 50% if they end up this winning this game. They only fall about 7% with a loss. They're still in it. 
So yeah. but they, if they get a win and Green Bay loses, lo- the Lions manage to lose. I mean, Washington still has a very good shot to make the playoffs here, especially if they win this game. We have not talked at all about Carson Wentz being named the starter and them going back to Carson Wentz. What do you think about the move back to Carson Wentz at this stage of things? We know what Carson Wentz is. It's him and Sam Darnold kind of cut from the same cloth a little bit. You know, the flash draws, big game hunter. I actually think I'm really wanting, I'm curious how much he's going to be launching those balls now that all the receivers are healthy, now that this offense has kind of found their way. I'm curious. I want to see aggressive Carson Wentz. We know he's going to be aggressive, he's going to be big game hunting. Like, but now we have maybe more of a conducive situation for that. So I, I, I actually don't mind this. We, we know Heineke is like, we know what he is. He's a spot starter, high end backup, but Wentz at least can maybe bring some, maybe more of those high end plays, even if the chaos for him is a little more negative than I think Heineke's is, you know, cause just turn the ball over and all that. Um, so avoid the blow up plays and let's just see him launch some deep balls. Uh, I think Dotson's playing extremely well. Scary Terry, scary Terry and Chris Samuel, all these guys. Um, so I just want to see maybe that, oh, seeing those sale routes, those sale concepts happen that they run a hundred million times. Maybe we get a couple of alert throws, uh, you know, maybe we get some of those, maybe the top truly gets taken off more than a couple snaps. Maybe it's like a dozen snaps that we see. I am not surprised by this at all because yeah. I think the only reason they stuck with Heineke is because they had to. Yeah, they were winning those games and they had no choice. Yeah. But the moment that they started losing, I still think they believe reasonably that Carson Wentz gives them a higher ceiling on offense yeah. because of the big plays that might be available to them. Yes. So I this move and this decision, I totally understand the rationale behind it. Now we get to see if we have those Carson Wentz low moments combined right. with those splash plays that are now potentially on the table. So yes. the biggest thing I'm curious with here, the Browns pass defense has been very good over the yeah. last like six weeks. And I think some of that is the teams that they've played against. You know, they played some pretty rough quarterbacks. Last week they played against the Saints in on Hoth essentially with like minus 35 <laughs> with 40 40 uh 40 mile an hour wins. Okay, that was that was one of them. The other games over that stretch, Texans they played against the Ravens with a backup quarterback. They played against this Bucks team. And then yeah. they played against the Bengals where Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins missed almost the entire game. So, sorry, it was almost like a slur. This Bucks team, like just like that. <laughs> Just this atrocious team. <laughs> That's where I am right now. I but the, the Browns have turned around their pass defense compared to what it was earlier in the season. Even with the Bengals missing you know, two of their starting yeah. receivers, I still think still that Burrow. giving them a little bit of a problem. Yeah. The, so the Burrow completed 18 passes in that game. Ten of them were to Jamar Chase. That's hilarious. We say there, there's target share. There's completion share, which is completion that, share. That's a, ten, completion ten share. 18 pretty, in that game. It's pretty absurd. So I, I think that if we can avoid – Negative plays, sacks, yep. turnovers from Wentz. The receiving talent on this team in, in Washington is capable of and a handful of huge plays a game. Yes. We, we've seen that recently. So I think that if they can avoid negative plays on offense, the positive plays are going to potentially be there. And I just think they have to be themselves on defense. Like That's the Browns awesome. offense has been a li- the Browns offense was a little bit better throwing the ball last week. I know the numbers yep. didn't bear that out. You go back and you watch that game, drops like missed opportunities, the conditions really becoming a factor, but they still do not look good throwing the football. So from week 12 on, when Watson has been back, 37 quarterbacks are qualified for EPA per drop back. Where do you think Deshaun Watson ranks? 32nd. He is 34th 
Ooh, this guy. The only quarterbacks below Deshaun Watson in EPA per dropback since he returned are Trace McSorley, Kyle Allen, and Colt McCoy. Oh. Those Here's guys some have quarterbacks. $200 million guaranteed. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes, they sure do. Here are some of the guys that are ahead of Deshaun Watson over that stretch. Desmond Ritter, Matt Ryan, Tyler Huntley, Russell Wilson, Marcus Mariota, Zach Wilson, Taylor oh. Heineke. Yeah. Mm. It probably wasn't going to be great right away, no matter no. what. It looking this bad is pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It started brutal, too. The, it was that, awful. That Texans it, game was rough. That was one of the worst QB games I've watched. He had a handful of throws last week, again, in pretty brutal conditions, pretty rough conditions, but they are not moving the ball consistently throwing the football, and Washington's defense is still pretty darn good. A couple guys yeah. banged up. Uh, I think that Derek Forrest mixed mispractice earlier this week. Cam Curl missed last week. He was limited. So a couple guys you know, that, yeah. that have been banged up on Washington's defense, but I still think this group is very good, and it's against a Cleveland offense that has not been playing well. So if the Washington can find those three or four explosive plays, they're capable of it. And I absolutely think they can win absolutely. this one and kind of keep things alive for themselves. Sometimes like the Browns offense is built a, a behind their offensive line, mauling people and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and all these guys churning off yards, eight to 12 yards a pop. And then you hit them with a big play and play action. That's what they're built like. Um, but the thing is you got a Washington defense and a defensive line that it's a heavyweight matchup. This is a title yeah. fight. Uh, that old line versus this defensive line. But that's the thing. You're taking away the Browns' biggest advantage on their offense. Because like you said, Watson is not – there's still a couple flash throws. Even that game I just made fun of, the Texans game, he still made like three throws where it's like, oh, shit. Uh, but it's he still is capable of them, but it's not. he's not playing consistent enough against a defense that's like, okay, all right, we're going to get good after defense. you. It's just, it's just it's a, a good point playing good defense. Against yes. everything. There's no I, – I love going through and like watching a film, going to true media and seeing like, okay, did that match up? Everything you look at. For, for Washington's defense, it's top five, top seven, top eight, top five, top four, top three. They are good against everything. Good, uh, every every personnel grouping, only thing they're kind of weak at is QB designed runs, but they're not really doing that with Watson right now. Um, but that that's the thing. is they It's a very good defense with a very good defensive line that can kick some ass even against a good offensive line. All right. It's time to get to fourth screen. Let's do it. Yeah. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. All right. This one is from Douglas or Doug Berlanger. Bellinger is how I'm going to pronounce it. I'm sure I butchered that. I'm sorry, Doug. He says, hello, Robert. I would argue that the Texans-Jags game is a de facto Bears game at this point and thus needs to be on one screen. Lovey Smith is coaching a game where a win directly impacts the Bears. Will watching this game be like drinking an entire bottle of Malort? Will watching this game make you feel bad, sad, frustrated, queasy, unequivocally yes? That all sounds like a Bears game to me. So grab some Pepto and settle in with the rest of the garbage people and watch that horror show with me and the rest of Bears Nation. It's a huge game. <laughs> That's hilarious. As a lifelong fan of the number one pick, I, I think I have to watch the Texans this week just in case. You got the number one foam figure, but it's about the, it's for the pick. That's it. It's, it's just for the number. That's, I'm just team number one pick. That's team it. number one pick. That's hilarious. Uh, I, I All I want over the next six to eight months. What, what month is it? All I want over the next four months, okay, is for every single person to fall in love with Will Levis and CJ Stroud. That's it. Right. And Bryce Young. I just want the – I'm I'm going to shamelessly pump up these quarterbacks on every single podcast that we do from now until May 1st when the draft happens. 
Man, this guy's got the tools to be a franchise these guys guy, are don't you think? Superstar level players. All three of these guys are superstar level quarterbacks, and we have to start understanding that. It I'll is worth you. mortgaging your entire future. I'm talking about multiple first round picks, but potentially a player thrown in there left or right. Like you have to consider that when you're looking at the 2023 quarterback class because that's how you change your destiny as a team is to go get this. one of these guys. You got to do it. I love this. Pound the table for it. Yeah, you got to get your guy. You you identify a guy. We just talked about it. Hey, you see him Mahomes at number 10. You got to move up. You got to move up all those spots to go get him. <laughs> that's hilarious. I still think this is going to be a um, some way to pay back for the Bears for what they gave up for Trubisky to move up one spot. Is maybe they can we're move back about one that. spot so and get a third rounder out of it. We're, we're, at, we're on to the 2023 draft. Hey, just five years later, you're getting to it. One more example, by the way. I don't think we mentioned this in the Derek Carr conversation. Another team that traded up for their quarterback after making the playoffs, Justin Fields. Justin Fields yes. was the fourth quarterback taken in the 2021 NFL draft. So, again, just, just one more example. Justin Fields is not the success story that some of these other guys are, but no. just one more data point in, in that entire conversation consideration. All right. It's very, very let's get to picks. Boo Jimmy's luck of the week. Ooh, that's a big luck, all right. All right. Let's do it. Uh I was two and three last week. Yeah. The the Seahawks game was so frustrating. It was a nine and a half point line. They absolutely could have covered that. It was an ugly game. That that one was particularly frustrating. And then the Falcons game, same way. Oh my god. Like, I mean, that's just a slot fest that could have gone either way. I was feeling so good about myself. I do not feel good about myself with the games available right now. Okay. So this is, I was a disgusting week, minus two games that we'll talk about. Cowboys on run your pool are minus nine and a half against the corpse of the Titans. That's up to minus 13 in the real world. I am cheating the system and picking the minus nine and a half. Not cheating. Not because cheating. Because that's a lot. Okay. I have the Giants, the Giants minus four and a half against the Colts. This Nick Foles thing is not a great situation. <laughs> Love your line of thinking. This is exactly what I think I did. <laughs> I think the Giants offense is playing pretty well right now. I really do. The Colts defense is kind of underrated. I think that they've actually I've been they impressed are. with what they've done in recent weeks and the fact that they haven't folded up shop has been pretty notable. But I still think this Giants team is playing pretty well. You know, the Giants are their issue right now is that they can get gashed in the passing game just mm-hmm. because of the way that they play. I'm not worried about Nick Foles and the Colts doing that, okay? Niners, I got minus five and a half against the Raiders. That's going up to nine and a half in the real world. Again, I don't feel bad about it. No shame. I have the Jets minus two and a half against Seahawks. We just talked about that game. I I just like where the Jets are at with Mike White right now. It's less than a field goal. They're playing for their playoff lives. I think that the Seahawks have been trending in the wrong direction, especially on offense. So less than two and a half, I'm going to do that. I'm going with the Vikings plus three and a half against the Packers. I just think that more than a field goal in that game, uh, that, that, that one was speaking to me. So those are my five. I'm 40, 41 and 34 on the week, so or on the year. So if I go 0 and 10, all I need to do is go 3 and 7 in the okay. next two weeks to hit five to go 500 on the season. And that's good enough for me. As long as I can do that, I will feel like this is, I accomplished something. I know. I'm 500 right now. I'm 40 and 40 on the year. Just, just another 1 and 4. Just b- brutal. I, I, what, what is this? I, I got to really talk to Jack about this, my son. So the, I, I'm with you, you on a couple. teach him about this stuff early. I, yeah, definitely. It's like my dad taking me to horse track when I was like five and we're, we're going to read a form. The, I would say 
Okay. I I would say, I will say, is I have a lot of the same line of thinking as you do with these picks. Cowboys minus nine, nine and a half against the Titans going against Dobbs and a course of a team. Yeah, I, I'm taking that. I usually don't bet the Thursday games like this, especially on this show, but I'm going with that one. I'm going Eagles minus six and a half hosting the Saints. Even with Minshew, Cowboys are a good team. They were toe-to-toe with them. The yeah. Saints, no. It's, a good it's less than a touchdown. I like that spread. I yeah, also think they want to they salt this thing away. They, they yes. want to be done. Let's not leave it up to it. It's such an advantage, especially in the NFC. That's just so wild right now. Um, I, I Same line of thinking with you with the 49ers. They're playing against Jared Stidham. This defense is like this historically great defense. Or what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> I think and they can find ways to move the ball with that 49ers offense. I'm with you, too, on the Giants. Same exact line of thinking. That Colts defense is a lot better, but I just think exactly. It's Nick Foles. I'm really betting against quarterbacks. That That is that's my line of thinking. <laughs> that's my line of thinking is week 17 is betting against quarterbacks. Having said that, now I'm betting against Aaron Rodgers. Vikings plus three and a half. Same. I, I I like the points. I think this game is very evenly matched. The fact yeah. that I, I was trying those keys to the game being the same, it's because these teams are kind of samey. Like they really are. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with the Vikings plus three and a half. I'm just going to take the points. That's really just my line of thinking there. I do not like that we have four of the five same games. I, that, Dude. That, that, that's concerning to me. I, I put these in. I think Beller has a couple of the same as me too. So it's like, yeah, we're, we're, there's some group think going on right now. <laughs> well, we do have, we have one unanimous pick guys. I'll start there. Vikings plus three and yeah. a half. I, I think there's been a, there's an overcorrection and here. You're 50 and, and 30 you know, on the year. So I'm, I'm, right, so ra- I'm, I'm glad we're it's matching gotta with you. It's got to be worth something. It's got to be worth right. something. That's 62 and a half percent right there on the dot. So I, I just, I don't know. I mean, like we've talked about it. Lakers have talked about this a ton. Like the Vikings, they're maybe not as good as their record says, but this doesn't happen by accident. And no. having a guy like Jefferson just, I mean, it's also not an accident. As you said, Robert, on the show with Solak earlier this week, it's not an accident when you have a guy like Justin Jefferson that you win so many one score games because of the way that he can swing things individually. So right. let's go Vikings. I like the Dolphins getting the two and a half against the Patriots. I, I think that sometimes we tend to overthink these things in the Dolphins, even with Teddy Bridgewater. Better team. Give me the points. Give me the Dolphins. Same goes for the Jaguars against the Texans. Mm. Jaguars laying four and a half. The Jaguars actually have a very narrow path to a wild card berth, uh, even if they lose to the Titans okay. in week 18, if they win this game. So there is something here for the Jags to play for. I think that keeps their regulars in this one. Most importantly, of course, Trevor Lawrence. I don't see how the Broncos keep this uh, game with the Chiefs close at all. Chiefs are minus 13 and a half. Love that play. Getting the one seed in the AFC is massive, you guys. Not only yes. do you get the bye, you don't have to play a quality team in the first round of the playoffs. You also only have to beat one of the other two teams, not both of them. Two, three, you're going to have to beat that team and then the one seed. So there is a huge right. advantage to being the one seed in the in the AFC. Chiefs have a lot to play for. And then, Nate, I'm with you on the Eagles. I think they, just, they, they take care of business. They end this. Alvin Kamara away from the Saints practice again. Today, so that is a Wednesday, whatever, Wednesday and Thursday, that's a little bit troubling. Yeah. I just think the Eagles take care of it. They can rest everyone. They don't have to worry about Hurts uh, in week 18, and then they can get going from there. So uh, that's those are my five picks. Dolphins, Jags, Chiefs, Eagles, and Vikings. Yeah. Look at that. Love it. Tight little that. 90 minutes. Good job, guys. We did it, guys. Woo! All right. That's all we have today. Please, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, obviously we do these shows. We're not – week 18 is going to be our last preview show that we do live on YouTube. When we get to the playoffs, we're going to have a Saturday preview show and a Sunday preview show. So we're going to not do those live because we're going to be, <laughs> be recording those back to back. So that very excited about getting to the playoffs. Really love those preview and recap shows. That it's going to be as long as Babylon. Like that. 
just as awful and in terms of like the actual uh, content in there, uh, not the quality, which we can still talk about. So uh, just be on the lookout for those excited to get to playoff time. We, I love yes. doing the playoff previews, love doing the playoff recaps. We're going to have live recaps on Saturday and Sunday uh, for the wild card re- round and the divisional round. Same as we did last year, which there's, my favorite time of the year. We're just going to dig into those games individually. So we're almost there, but now is the time to subscribe to the channel so you can check out those live recap shows when we get there. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. And please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. If you guys could do me a favor, we have like 1,900 Apple podcast reviews, okay, over the, the time that we've been doing this. Let's get to 2,000 by the Super Bowl. So I that's like that. about a month. So if you have never reviewed the show and you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you don't like the show, don't do anything. But if you like the show, go leave us one. I would love for that number to get to 2,000 by the time we get to the Super Bowl. Three years, 2,000 reviews, nice round number. That would be fantastic. So if you have not recapped or reviewed the show, please go do that. We're not doing a Thursday night recap tonight because Josh Dobbs is playing against the Cowboys. So we're going to skip that. Josh Dobbs and the entire B team for the Titans. We're going to make up for it by doing a Monday night recap of arguably one of the best games, if not the best game of the season with the Bills and the Bengals. So be on the lookout for that. And then also we will be doing our live Sunday recap after the Sunday night games post week 17. So enjoy your weekend in the meantime. Appreciate you guys listening. Have a fun and safe New Year's Eve, please. And we will talk to you very soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.